about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Friday to you all. AJ Salves and Eric Franson here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Grateful to have you all along on this really dreary Utah winterish day. Snows are coming. It's a very depressing day. Yeah, it's supposed to be a big storm coming through. Okay, we say that every. It's day. not a depressing we, day. What makes it a depressing day? It's Friday. Look it out there. Okay, look it out it's there. It's the weekend. The inside of my nose looks more brighter than the outdoors out there. Looks tonight like. we got the NFL Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Okay, no one cares about the Super Bowl. Biggest this weekend. game in a long time for Utah State basketball is B- that tomorrow. is, but that's not till tomorrow. Look, I am all these depressed. exciting things are just a day away now. I am depressed. The inside of my nose looks better than it does look out there. Oof. I know. It has been. That's frightening. It is. It is. Real call right now, 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. your love for listening in. Love to uh, have you be a part of the show. You can text in with your thoughts, topics, questions, whatever you got for us on a very busy Friday Eric has already mentioned we have Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Chiefs, Niners in Miami. We'll give you our thoughts, keys, and predictions to the winner of the Super Bowl. Adam, the intern, will join us as well on that. Uh, uh, also, we'll be doing our five best. Our Friday five best, which will include the five best, guess what it is, NASCAR races of all time. I'm excited about that one. We'll get into that. NASCAR sponsorship deals yeah, which, on vehicles. Which is huge, huge. If you're Dale Earnhardt Jr. No, we want to know your your five best Super Bowls. Best Super Bowls. So feel free to text those in or text in what you think the, the score is going to be. What's your prediction for Sunday? I think you'll be surprised with... Dude, this photo is bothering me. I got to get rid of... Oh, my gosh. Uh, you'll be surprised by what my list looks like. You're going to be surprised. Will I? Yeah, you will. I, I think you will. Uh... And then, of course, Utah State, San Diego State, tomorrow night at Viejas Arena in San Diego State, where it's the nation's only undefeated team. will take on a team looking for revenge in a big way. And you know what, Eric? Talking to some people within the team, coaching staff and players, they are, they're confident going into San Diego. They, uh, they have a lot of confidence in this game. Well, besides what's on the line in this game, San Diego State is also going to be retiring a certain former player's jersey. Yeah, no big deal. And this game, by the way, has been... Somebody I don't... We got a guy you probably haven't heard of before. Uh, this game at Viejas Arena, uh, you'd be surprised because you mentioned that. This game's been sold out for three weeks. If you are looking for a ticket and you're going to StubHub, not the best idea right now. Cheapest ticket is $250. The most expensive ticket is $1,600 right now on StubHub. There is no other way you can get tickets. It is completely standing room sold out. Right now. That's that's how big of a game it is. And it's not just because of Kawhi Leonard. It's because of the Utah State Aggies. The unanimous preseason prediction of the Mount West champions is uh, is coming into their house. And a San Diego State win almost cements, or cements their uh, their regular season championship. Or pretty comes pretty dang close to it because really this is the final challenge of their regular season. I think everybody else, they will... They should scream by. 
right? They they beat New Mexico at New Mexico. They beat Utah State at Utah State. They get Utah State they at beat their UNLV. house now. They beat UNLV. In Vegas. This is their final challenge on their way to a regular season championship. They win tomorrow. They win the regular season championship. If Utah State wins tomorrow, they get a little peek back into the window of the at-large conversation. Assuming they win out in the regular season after that, they then go into the Mountain West tournament with probably a two or three seed and not having to worry about the Aztecs until the championship game. Then, if you get to the championship game, assuming you win out, and of course we're we're I mean we're leaps and bounds ahead of where we are now, you probably have an at-large appearance in the NCAA tournament. That's assuming everything goes as planned that I just mentioned. If you lose tomorrow, well, then we have some concerns, major concerns. I think that if they lose tomorrow, but still make it to the championship game, and I don't know if it's possible to make it to the championship game without having to face San Diego State before then, but I think that if Utah State makes it to the championship game, they may have enough to be an at-large, but that's yeah. a real stretch. Yeah, we're, we're asking a lot out of that, That's a we? real stretch. Because yep. then you would have lost... Three times to San Diego State in the regular season. Uh, they'd have, what, how many losses on the year? Six? Yeah, be six now. They lost to St. Mary's, BYU. Who else they lose to? UNLV. UNLV, Boise. Air Force, Boise, and San Diego State. Once already. Speaking of UNLV and Boise State, that's who uh, the Aggies' next two opponents will be against. That's next week, both home, both late games. UNLV, 8 o'clock Wednesday night. Boise State, 8 o'clock Saturday night. Boise State's a special one as they'll be having a, a little celebration for three, or excuse me, four teams back in the day. 79 and 80 Utah State men's basketball team. 94 and 95 Utah State men's team. Two, 99 oh, nine, 2000, 2000 men's basketball team and a 2009 and 2010 men's basketball team. So because of that, Eric, we have been able, to, with the help of another individual uh, doing some major research for us, <laughs> we've been able to get uh, locked down a few guys to do some interviews with. Next week, you do not want to miss any show. And if you do, you want to make sure you jump on our podcast, which you can find on Citra, iTunes, and Spotify. Type in Eric's name, my name. Uh, you can tap in the full court press or 106.9 The Fan. But we have already four really good interviews lined up with the hope of a fifth and sixth one. There will be days where we're doing double time on interviews because uh, just uh, how many interviews we got lined up, uh, you'll know all of them. It will throw you back into nostalgia time. In fact, three of the guys I talked to are just elated. They they, I, they said, one of them asked me, can I share some stories about Coach? And I said, yeah. I don't think he's listening, so man, let her rip. And he's like, dude, I got so many good ones. And then we started talking about his season that year, and uh, he just started going off on memory of some of the big times or big plays and big games, and he can't wait. He cannot wait for that. So, Eric, um, a really exciting week of interviews next week. We got a really exciting lineup for the show Monday through Friday. Again, you do not want to miss it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be legendary. Uh, I mean, we'll go through and we'll, we're going to catch up with a lot of different Aggie legends, find out uh, what they remember about their times at Utah State, and just catch up with them. What are they doing now? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's going to be good. Again, uh, I don't want to give away names yet. We'll wait until Monday to do so, and you'll get it day by day. But we've got a really, really good list of Utah State men's basketball legends coming up on our show. We'll call it Aggie Legends Week. 
I uh, can't wait. Absolutely cannot wait for that. Uh, Eric, uh, let's start here, though. Uh, sadly, we have to start with a, a professional basketball team who doesn't know how to play professional basketball. We're, we're talking about the um, They're, the Chicago Bulls? No, we're talking about the Knicks. Oh, wait. Hold the Orlando on. Magic? About the Golden State Warriors. Mm. G League team. Utah Jazz fall to the Denver Nuggets, 126-100. Um, but there's more concern to it than just that. Well, look, the I felt like the Jazz were going to have a, a better game against the Nuggets because of how the Nuggets are structured, and I thought it would favor the Jazz. And for most of three quarters, that was true. Uh, the Denver got on that. They got hot, started making their shots. Late in the third quarter, it continued in the fourth. Jazz could not stop them. They couldn't get stops. They couldn't get points themselves. Uh, thank goodness for Jordan Clarkson, or it would have been a complete blowout. But um, they, they finally were playing better defense. I mean, they held the, the Rockets to 106 points. The previous games, they're giving up way more than that. So uh, it was now they're in a, they've lost three straight. Um, it's, but you also have to look at, this is also a team, not to make an excuse, but it's in a reality. This is also a team that's now, that played three games in four nights that also included travel. Final so, line, final line looks still, like this. The, yeah. The, they, I'm with you. They should have won all three of those games. Yeah. All th- Spurs, I can somewhat understand for some reason. Somewhat, for some reason, I'm okay with the Spurs loss. Don't ask why. I'm not okay with losing to a, to a Houston team without Westbrook, Capella, and Harden. I'm definitely not okay to losing the Nuggets, who had half their roster out as well. Right. They had a bunch of injuries. They had a bunch of guys that didn't play. Amazing. 126-100 is your final from uh, last night in Denver. Final line looks like this. By Janovich in 35 minutes, 6-14 from the field. He was 6-10 from deep. 18 points. All his points came from beyond the arc with six rebounds as well. Uh, Royce O'Neal in 26 minutes was 1-3 from the field. 0-1 from deep. He only had two. That's coming from your starter. Rudy Gobert, the newest of the All-Stars. And, and if coming from Utah. Jazz in 37 minutes. He was 9-10. 3-6 from the line. He had 11 boards and 21 points. Joe Ingles, 34 minutes. 3-8 from the field. 2-5 from deep. 8 points. And a nice conversation with the fan. After the game, Just friendly pleasantries. Yeah, I and I, I, I have thoughts on that that I'll keep private because I, I, I will swear. I promise you, Donovan Mitchell in his worst game as a member of the Utah Jazz since he started, thirty-five minutes, one at twelve from the field, zero at six from deep, two at two at the line. He had five boards, eight assists, four points. George Yang had ten points. He in fifteen minutes, three-five from the field. And Jordan Clarkson, as you mentioned, 37 points, 13 to 22 from the field, 7 to 12 beyond the arc, 4 or 5 of the line. He had two assists. Jordan Clarkson, if it wasn't for him, like you said, this thing is a runaway train in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was fun for me to watch the battle between Jokic and, uh, and Gobert. Yep. yep. It was back and forth. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was entertaining. They each are really good players in different ways, but they, they, battle each other at that position. Um, I thought that was that was fun to watch. 
what wasn't fun to watch was Donovan Mitchell. Um, he just <laughs> couldn't hit anything. Uh, and even when he tried to go to the um, bring it in closer, he just couldn't get the little little shots to fall. Um, if Donovan Mitchell has a semi-normal night, the Jazz win this game. Uh, I don't think Denver gets on the roll that they got on, and Donovan Mitchell has become very well respected for how well he can close out a game. He dials it up and plays better as the game goes on, especially in the, in the clutch. But it wasn't there. It wasn't happening. As hot as the Jazz were for the last month and a half, they've run into uh, a bit of a buzzsaw here lately. Is We were worried about how would this team look as they got into this very meaty stretch over the, the next 30 days from the end of January to the end of February against playoff teams that had superior talent, that had superior coaches, and here they are. They've lost three, three in a row. The Jazz led 70-61 to 61 with four minutes and 13 seconds left in the third before the Nuggets went on a scintillating 15-0 run to close out the quarter. They then went into the fourth and just rolled over those minutes and those points, turned it into a 27-1 run. And by the way, that maybe and most likely wouldn't have been enough. That 17-point lead, it got whittled down to three, and then Jokic had a floater, pair of free throws, and a long jumper to restore some breathing room for them. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was just awesome. 24 of his 37 points came in the fourth quarter, while Donovan Mitchell just could not get it going. In fact, he didn't get his first basket until four or five left in the game. Um, and so I, I don't know what you do. Like, I mean, look, you gave up. I mean, you score a hundred points, you lose one hundred six to hundred because you give up a twenty-seven to one run versus a team that really has one impactful starter on it, one impactful player on the uh, in the lineup, or at least getting some significant minutes on the court, and you still still lose by six. The problem is almost becoming, and look, I, I've always pointed it at Mike Conley that he's an issue, and I still think it is. But Quinn Snyder's got to start doing something here. Like it's, I pressure needs to start being put on him. What well, is going on? Well, I thought they were making some good adjustments uh, defensively. Uh, it was a much better defensive game uh, against Denver, but also, as I said, Denver is a team that has a center that's part of who they are, and they're going to play him a lot of minutes. And so that favors how the Jazz are structured and how they play. The previous two games, they really didn't have a true center that was a main part of their offense or who they are even defensively. So the the Spurs and the Rockets were able to take advantage of that, and the Jazz never really adjusted to counter it. So I felt like the, the matchups were there for Utah against Denver. Uh, they just got that stretch where you get these Scrub guys, bench guys, fringe players who don't normally see a lot of minutes starting to make some shots on their home court, and they start feeling great, and their crowd's getting pumped up, they're getting pumped up, and then they start making all kinds of crazy shots that they normally wouldn't make. Meanwhile, the Jazz are just cold. So I, I don't know that it was necessarily a Quinn Snyder problem, though I do think that he probably could have done some things differently during that stretch to close out the quarter of the third quarter and the way the fourth quarter began to call an early timeout, do something, manufacture points somehow, but uh, maybe some slight little things like that. But I'm having a hard time really getting after Quinn Snyder for what happened in Denver. 
I don't have a problem being critical of Quinn Snyder with what happened at home against Houston and then on the road at San Antonio. Understandable. Now the Nuggets, and by the way, speaking of tough road trips, Nuggets now have to go to Milwaukee to play tonight. They got in about 5.30 this morning. So uh, from playing Utah to now turning around the next night and going to Milwaukee is a really tough really tough swing, honestly, on, his, on a second of a back-to-back. Uh, for the Jazz, they now have to head to Portland to face a – in the name of Kobe Vengeance of Damian Lillard, they get the Trailblazers at Portland uh, on Saturday night. I'm worried about this game, too, to be honest with you. Well, Portland's playing tonight in Los Angeles, and it's an emotional game. And that, it'll be really interesting to see how it affects them. Carmelo Anthony seem. is not going to play tonight. Yeah, obviously. I mean, and I think there's a lot of emotion on it. He's not playing tonight, though? Is, no. Is that what you said? Yep. So Portland's playing tonight, which will be a very emotional game, and then they'll have to go back home, and the Jazz will be there waiting for yeah, them. Yeah, but here's the problem, dude. Like we, Houston got done with a, a second end of a back-to-back. No, no Capella, no Westbrook, no Hart, and they still lost. So does it really matter? I mean, this whole back-to-back thing doesn't matter when you're playing the Jazz. <laughs> you still get them. Apparently not. So I, I'm worried. Uh, I'm... I, <laughs> Uh, I think Damian Lillard's going to have it. I mean, he's he's kind of in that, like I said, in the name of Kobe. Like, wow, they're well, the way out. he's been playing the last week and a half is yeah. just off the charts. Crazy. Off the charts. Yes. Okay, so they are now 1-3 in the stretch with their long win being against Dallas. How concerned are you before the All-Star break are you about this Jazz team getting to the All-Star break semi-alive? Semi, I guess, not burnt horribly from this blaze of of tough games, one after the other. Uh, I think uh, I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet on the Jazz. I, I think that they'll get something figured out here. I, I think they should still be able to be very competitive and, and win a lot of the games that are on their schedule over the next little bit before the All Star game. Because the All Star game, let's see, when's their break? They will play February uh, 12th, so isn't it? After February 12th? at Portland. They come back home to face Denver and Portland again. Then they travel to Houston and then Dallas. They host Miami and then they have the break. So they've got six more games on the schedule before the All-Star break. Are they going to win all of those? Probably not. Okay, Are they going to lose hey, wait, all of those? Give me that, I don't think so either. Give me that stretch. Who do they got? So they're at Portland. It's a loss. At home versus Denver. That's a win. At home versus Portland. Ooh, I'm going to say win. I'm not confident, though. At Houston. That's a loss. At Dallas. That's a loss. Two and three. Versus Miami. Three and four. That's two, that's six games. So three and three? Yes, three and three. So 500. If they win at Houston, that makes up for the loss to Houston, and they split. Then they'll probably finish. Adam said 10 and four. That win at Houston would probably put them in that, well, they'd have to win. No, yeah, they'd be 10 and four, wouldn't it? You go one and three. No, so what would they be? After that six-game stretch, we're looking at, that's what, nine games? Ten games? So they're at, 
don't know. Six and six. No, I don't know how to do math. Four and six. I'm trying to figure out what you're... I'm just trying to do math in my head. I'm doing it out loud. This is the way I got to do it in high From the stretch high of when they started against Dallas to the All-Star break? Yeah. You th- So collectively, you think they'd be four and six? Four and six. Is that, yeah, so ten games. No, sorry. Four. See? Yes, yeah, four and okay. six. Okay, yeah. You see? Yep, four and six. Jeez. Freaking getting mad at me because I can't do math. I'm just trying to figure out where you're coming Whoopity from. Whoopity-doo-dah. Speaking of the Blazers, like you said, they get an emotional game against the Lakers tonight. That's on ESPN, 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Okay, um, I'm going to put this out there, and then I, I, I just got to get into this. I know we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but NBA All-Stars are going to dawn numbers 24 and 2 for Kobe and Gianna in, in honor of their remembrance uh, during after that tragic accident. When when can we like start to move on from this Kobe death? Look, because I'm sad just like everybody else, but man, I just I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to get back to normal basketball again. Well, I, I think there's been kind of a lead up to when the Lakers would have their first home game. Yeah. And there's gonna be a lot of emotional tributes tonight. Um and then I think it'll really start to taper off. Because a lot of teams now have had a home game yeah. since that happened last Sunday. Um, and so everybody's had some kind of thing that they've been able to do, some kind of tribute they've been able to do. You'll hear about it again in a few weeks during the All-Star break. There'll be more tributes. There'll be certain things that'll be done there. But uh, I think after tonight, it will significantly taper off. Well, maybe not significantly, because I think the NFL is going to do something. Because uh, oh, there was a great former defensive end, uh, now his name slipped my mind, who just passed away. He was only like 50 years old, in his mid-50s, um, uh, died of cancer. Um, and so the NFL is going to do some tribute for him, but they may also mention uh, Kobe Bryant and what they do this weekend. So I think most of it tonight, it'll kind of crescendo, and then it'll come down after that. Uh, you might see a little bit more this weekend on Sunday. It's it's on its way down. Yeah, um, and and I don't say out of disrespect to Kobe. I'm just ready to move on. Like I'm ready to just watch basketball game and just think basketball instead of watching the basketball game and and having to just like be emotional, extreme over keep Kobe being Ryan. reminded and of. reminded of the death. Right. And I mean, I I, I miss Kobe. I, I miss. I in fact, I was sitting there earlier today watching highlights of his game seven win over Portland. In uh, 2000, for their first uh, trip to the NBA Finals, uh, I, I miss the guy crazy, and I just want to move on, just get back to playing basketball. All right, we got to take a break. Coming back, Eric, we also uh, later on we'll have our five best, the five best Super Bowls in our minds. We'll give reasons why, but first, it's Sunday Super Bowl: 49ers and Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes versus Garoppolo, Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. There's differences when you talk about those four people, but there's a lot of similarities in the way they play offense and the way they play defense. We'll talk about that more. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric France and AJ Salson, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
Sorry about that, Eric. <laughs> Hi, AJ. Hi. Uh, our Aggie, we we got to choose something other than Aggie lenses. It's got to be cool. Like we got to call it like uh, Aggie. Oh. oh no, I got it. Okay. R- really good former Aggie basketball players. In bold letters, you put and quotations. But do, do you want to put a period at the end of that? No exclamation point. Absolutely. Like- that that that's the kicker. The radio series featuring a uh, yes, uh, the radio series featuring above average Utah State men's basketball players. Above average, yes. I didn't play church point. ball for a reason, folks. So our Mount Rushmore week of Aggies will uh, start next week, and uh, I just actually solidified another interview for us next week. Uh, it is a very packed, packed weekend or packed week of interviews. Like we have very little time to get. <laughs> They discussed through a lot of things, including on Wednesday night with our in the know on a big game with UNLV. Uh, we've got some great interviews, really, really cool interviews ahead that we're excited to share with you all. I can't wait for that. Um, that's all going to be next week, starting and Monday, our, by the way. Right. Our, our series of radio interviews with above average you former Utah State men's a... basketball players, exclamation point, will begin on Monday and will continue throughout the rest of the week. What the hell are you laughing about? <laughs> yeah. Freaking, you got Adam the intern over there giving you ideas. That's wonderful. That's just awesome. So happy for you. It'll be scintillating. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, scint- it, yeah, it'll be scint- scintillating. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Good. Just copy one of my words. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's nice of you. Super Bowl Sunday this week. Super Bowl Sunday. You got plans? Yeah. Uh, so uh, talk, to, uh, talk to the missus, Mrs. Franson. Uh, she said, I'll be, uh, I'm expected to be there at 4.30. My job is to bring uh, the uh, Virgil's root beer and a veggie tray. So I am excited. I feel like if I asked you, you would have, you have been busy, you know. So I said, hey, Mrs. Franson, what is his schedule like? And she said, actually, he's free because he's he's kind of skipping the day church to, to be at home with the family and celebrate. Well, that's uh, not true. The uh, one where all the religions get together one day of the year and celebrate football. And we worship in the cathedral of football? Yes, in, in the cathedral. Well, I guess it'll be inside your basement. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to bring Virgil's root beer. And, and you read the high priest. And brand up. <laughs> that may have been really good. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to bring the veggie tray over. So I'll see you at 430 on Sunday evening. Uh, you know, we're going to be carrying the game live here on the fan on yeah. Saturday. So yeah. if you can't see it, if you, for whatever reason, have to be out and about, mm-hmm. carry your radio around with you or stream it online because we'll be having the full audio play-by-play. Yep. And post-game, too. Yep. Yeah. And the post-game, the trophy presentation at all. It'll all be here for you on 106.9. Yeah, they're having like a, the fan. we've got like an hour and a half pre-game. Pre-game, yeah. Full game and the post-game. It's awesome. That'll be fun. So yeah, uh, while we'll um, we'll be at your house sharing some uh, carrot sticks and uh, celery sticks with uh, some ranch dressing, and uh, serving up a bottle of uh, Virgil's root beer on the rocks. I'm I'm excited to spend some time with you and the family, more so the family. But can't wait to hang out with you, man. I'm pretty sure I'll be working on my squares. You ever do squares for the Super Bowl? Like jello squares? No, you do like a grid. You do a 10 by 10 grid. You have squares. So it's like 100 squares. 
and you have everybody fill them out. You figure out how many people in your group, and you divide it evenly, and everybody puts their little initial of their name in a square until it's all filled out. And then once it's all filled out, then you draw randomly zero through nine for one team to put that across the top. And you do zero through nine for the other team and you put it on the other side. And so at the end of every quarter... Adam, quit acting like you know what he's talking about. You have no idea. You look, you see what this end of the, the, the quarter score is. So let's say it's 17 to 13. to be a lot of points in one quarter. So let's say 7 to 3 for, uh, for the Chiefs. So you find the Chiefs 7 and the 49ers 3, and you find it on the grid, and where they meet, that person gets a little prize. So, like, what kind and then of prizes? You do it at halftime, you do it at the third quarter, and you do it again at the end of the game. What kind of prizes are we going to have at your house? Oh, we got like cookies. Oh, sweet. Snacks. Awesome. Little prizes that we came up with. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm excited to come play. I'll be awesome. I'll be sweet. I'm excited. She didn't tell me about you guys playing squares, but I'm all in. I'm willing to play squares with you guys. <laughs> Man, that's sweet. I cannot wait to play squares at the Franson home on. Super Bowls. Why are you throwing stuff at me? So this game, I asked your wife. I did the right thing. Could be a really interesting one. Uh, according to a couple different projections, these uh, some of the best teams in the NFL this year facing each other for the playoffs. Stat wise, too for the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, sometimes one of the really good teams they lose in the playoffs for whatever reason and they don't make it to the Super Bowl. But uh, this is one of those cases where two of some of the best teams in the NFL have made it all the way and are going to face each other for the Super Bowl. Um, and there's a lot of different things out there to try to predict who's going to win. People run different simulations. ESPN has their football power index. Uh, they, they run it through their simulations. Anyway, they, they're predicting a Chiefs victory in 64.8% of their simulations by an average of five points. All right, well, let's let's look at it from, I mean, just a breakdown standpoint. Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, two of the brightest men's brightest minds offensively. Defense, I mean, and the the thing is, is with them, they spread you out defensively. They make the defense cover every piece of grass or turf on the football field. They spread you out. And defensively, they're sound. They're extremely sound and they're extremely physical. This could be a grind out slobber knocker for four quarters. Well, what will be interesting is what what does each team try to force the other team yeah. to do? Yeah, Trying to take zone. them out of right their comfort zone. What are they comfortable with? So will, will Kansas City load the box and force Garoppolo to be a passing quarterback? Which I think he can be, but they're most successful when they're running the ball. And so uh, alternatively, will San Francisco drop a few more guys back in coverage and force Kansas City to run the ball. Um, and, and so I think it'll be interesting to see what what kind of chess match happens with the coaches and how they try to figure each other out. I, I do think that San Francisco has an edge if they're, with their defense. I think their front four is incredible. Uh, I think they have an advantage defensively, but I think Kansas City has an edge offensively and their ability to get back into a game quickly. Bingo. That's that's a great point. In fact, when you look at back at the Texans game, their offense called 31 pass plays against just six runs while scoring seven consecutive touchdowns against in that comeback, in that furious comeback versus Houston at, at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, the 49ers, meanwhile, on the other side, 
dialed up runs on 71 of their past 88 plays. That is 17 plays of just passing and just saying, Garoppolo, all you have to do is exist for 10 seconds and calling the cadence, snapping the ball, and handing it off to our running back and letting him do the rest of the work. Right, so that'll be interesting if, if the 49ers are down, if they're behind, how much do they change their M.O. to get back into it? Do they have enough players? Do they have enough playmakers? They've got a great tight end. Do they have enough playmaking wide receivers to stretch the field and to strike quickly yeah. to get back into the game if they're down? If they get down. Which, by the way, is a great point because the Niners will use up as much clock as possible. That's something about the Niners, that they're very balanced. If they want to throw, they'll throw. But they'll make sure they chew up clock and make their defense shut you down. It's almost like when you look at the Air Force-Utah State football game. I hate to bring that up. But Air Force did such a good job of, like, Look, defense, we're going to give you as much rest as we possibly can and chew as much minutes off of the clock and score points. But we need you to do your part in shutting down that offense, getting them off the field. Now, 49ers are going to think are going to take that same spread. Getting their offense on the field, chewing up clock, scoring points on every single possession, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, and then saying to the defense, we need you to get them off the field. If this becomes a shootout, we're in trouble. The only thing is that uh, I, I think there is some advantage for Kansas City in that they have they just faced a team that likes to do what San Francisco likes to do, and they point. took care of Tennessee. Yeah, it's a good point. So uh, Tennessee likes to be ball control, clock control, keep the ball out of your hands, limit your opportunities and possessions. And that didn't bother Kansas City. This will be the second Super Bowl between a team that's led its conference in rushing yards and one that's led its conference in passing yards. Chiefs gained 73% of the yards this postseason through the air. Niners, 71% of their yards on the ground. So it's a ground versus air attack. Speaking of going through the air, Patrick Mahomes has been really good against soft defenses. In fact, he has an NFL best 91 QBR rating versus zone coverage. Problem? 49ers have a second-highest rating while playing zone defense at 64%. They've limited opposing quarterbacks, Eric, to an NFL record low 4.7 yards per drop pack when using zone. Patrick Mahomes cannot, cannot make questionable throws because he'll, he'll pay deeply for it. And some of those turnovers could turn into touchdowns on that very same possession. So he needs to be really smart how he handles... Just, I mean, in taking responsibility, throwing the ball through the air. True, and I think the the, the same needs to be said for Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, absolutely. Tyrell Matthew, he's yeah. back there. He's He'll be lurking. He'll be eager to pick something off and create havoc for what Garoppolo, if he has to be forced into a lot of passing yeah. situations, that could be really problematic for the 49ers. The other stat that comes into mind here is when we, uh, when we look at this game. This is the first Super Bowl matchup between two tight ends who each had 1,000 receiving yards. Think about that. That's that's kind of a crazy number, thinking about Rob Gronkowski being in as many Super Bowls as he has. Uh, but George Kittles, of course, leads all tight ends in yards after the catch and has the most yards after contact by a tight end since Rob Gronkowski in 2015. On the other side, Travis Kelsey, 21 catches on throws of 15 yards or more downfield this season. So, Eric, what's interesting is when I say that they spread the offense or spread the defense out as thin as they can be, the most dangerous part about doing that is having a tight end who's athletic as Travis Kelty and as George Kittle. They could be the two key playmakers for both offenses on Sunday night. Right. It, it's been a long time since 
both teams had such really good tight ends that are big-time parts of what they want to do offensively. So that could be fun to watch, actually. And uh, this, these are really different athletes um, and, uh, and how they use their bodies. Um, but uh, both are, are featured in the offenses for both teams. So that's going to be one of those other fun storylines to watch as the game unfolds is which team utilizes their tight end a little bit better. So, Eric, what is your matchup to watch? Uh, I, I think if it's if it's fair to say, my my matchup to watch will be Nick Bosa versus he took mine. Yeah, versus Patrick Mahomes. That's exactly where I was going. Uh, I, I think that he is the quarterback of the defense for San Francisco. If maybe not in official title, I mean it's no, he, is he, the is. he is the playmaker for them de- defensively, yeah. and how well he is disruptive for that 49er defense can play a major factor in the game. And then how well does uh, Patrick Mahomes kind of go away from him or isolate uh, Bosa's playmaking ability on defense? For me, and I'm with you, defense versus Patrick Mahomes, that's really what it is. I know you got Tyreek Hill and you've got this, you got, you got a good receiving corps, but can Mahomes... Think on the fly against... Look, he got away with a lot of questionable stuff as a quarterback versus lesser defenses. Some, most of the stuff that he would try and do against those guys, he will not get away with with his 49ers defense. No way does he get away with it. Can he make adjustments on the fly, but yet be smart and take care of the ball and get his offense in position to score points? Field goals or touchdowns, none, either way. If the defense gets their turnovers... This is a runaway game for San Francisco easily. Patrick Holmes can keep the Chiefs in the game, give them a chance by not turning over the ball. That's easier said than done, though, against a 49ers defense right now. That is, uh, right now, I believe, fourth, I guess third in the last five years, sorry, in the NFC in turnovers during the postseason combined. Really, really good stuff. Give me a bold prediction not score prediction yet. Just give me a bold prediction of what you might see in this game, Chiefs-Niners. Uh, I think you're going to see a, a tight end lead all receivers. Dude, that's, yeah, that's a good uh, one. You could see you a think tight it's end. Kittle or Kelsey, though? That's the question, man. I'd probably say... Hmm. <laughs> that's a really good question. I, I think that it'll probably be more uh, Miller because I think that... Uh, Kansas City has more weapons to throw it around to. Okay. Um, that's Millard. Kittle. I don't know no, I, I got you. Uh, I think Kittle will have more opportunities because um, Kelsey is one of many targets. And so I think it'll be more spread around a little bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. But I, I, think I like it'll it. Be, I think it'll be more headed towards... Um, you know, the, the San Francisco side. So, I'm with you. I like George Kittle in this. But I also think, because Jimmy Garoppolo, he's thrown for at least 209 yards passing. In the, I guess he has 208 combined yards in the previous two playoff games. I think he gets 300 passing yards versus this Chiefs defense. I don't think this Chiefs defense is that good. I think their secondary is really bad. I think Garoppolo's going to is going to make uh, show them their weakness because if they can get a solid run game going and make the play-action game come alive, Kittles is going to have a heyday, Eric. 
going to have an absolute heyday. They've got one good deep threat. They've got a great slot receiver. They've got a good running game. In fact, their running back turns into receiver better than anybody else in the in the NFC, at least. I think Jimmy Garoppolo throws for 300-plus yards on Sunday night. So like, then that would, in you I guess according to that, you would assume that uh, Mostert then doesn't have much of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's, it's weird to say that, but I, I just, I think that Garoppolo's a talented enough quarterback. Again, I mean, if you can have success on your runs, right? First down, second down, whatever. And maybe, Eric, maybe they throw a play action on first down and they go deep. Maybe they just throw deep early set of downs to throw Kansas City off the, uh, no, excuse me, off track. I, I, <laughs> I think this is a game where, um, Jimmy Garoppolo could have a huge night. But I don't know if he finishes as MVP. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm excited I, for yeah, it. I think, I think it'll be a better game than many people think. Who is your Super Bowl winner? And give me a score. And then give me an MVP. All right. Uh, my prediction for Sunday's game, I've got... Here's the score. 31 to 28. Can I guess? Kansas City. 49ers. Really? Now I'm going with San Francisco in this one. Uh, and that's why it's a, maybe a little bit lower score. I think that if, if, if it's uh, uh, Kansas City having their way, they'll be in the upper 30s. Okay. But I, I think that uh, that San Francisco defense is going to be the real difference maker here. I think they'll be more disruptive, and so I think that uh, I'm giving them the edge in this one, 31 to 28. Who's your MVP? Uh, I mean, it's rare that a defensive player gets an MVP. Nick Bosa already has three sacks in the playoffs. He's probably going to be a big part of what happens, but generally the MVPs go to an offensive player. Um, and I don't know if it's either Garoppolo Mostert or Kittle. I, I'm honestly I'm torn. I don't know which one uh to, to settle on. I probably in the end would go more towards Garoppolo. Um because the pressure and all the attention is gonna be on him. He'll be out there the most. The other guys will rotate through. Um so if they're gonna win, a lot of it has to be on him. I'm gonna go San Francisco 38-27. I think that this game looks like it's going to be a route, and then Kansas City makes a late charge, and the score is closer than what the game really indicates. Hmm. With that, I think Nick Bosa is going to be your defensive MVP, the first one since 2011 when Ray Lewis won the MVP of the Super Bowl. Uh, I think Nick Bosa, in fact, has two turnovers. I think he creates a fumble uh, and then recovers it, and then I think he gets an interception as well. I think that this defense will mix things up that Patrick Mahomes is not used to seeing and it's going to throw him very off guard. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to struggle mightily in the first two, two and a half quarters. Ajay, you realize we're in the minority? The vast majority everywhere I'm seeing. Yeah, what are you seeing, Everybody's by the way? Going, uh, going for Kansas City. And are they saying Patrick Mahomes is the MVP and all that crap? Right. I mean, I, I can see why. I, I get why they'd want to pick him, why they lean towards that. But... Um, all the quote-unquote experts out there that are weighing in on this, um, it's about a 65 to 35% margin. Yuck. 
that are going for Kansas City. In fact, ESPN.com did their uh, predictions, and they have guys such as Chris Berman, Matt Berry, Will Kane, Mike Gullick Jr., Matt Hasselbeck, Mike Greenberg, Keyshawn Johnson, Randy Moss, Sam Ponder, all predicting Chiefs wins. And on the other side, you got Ryan Clark, Teddy Bruschi, uh, Jason Fitz, Adam Scheffler, Rex Ryan, Katie Nolan. Uh, those are the ones predicting San Francisco will come out of there as Super Bowl champs. Either way, I want to make it clear that Jimmy Garoppolo is the most handsome quarterback to participate in the Super Bowl <laughs> since Tom Brady in 2007. Tom Brady with so that Tom hot Brady haircut. So Tom Brady knows all the other appearances. He wasn't as handsome no, as he was in no, 2007. No, I don't think he was because of the way his hair looked. Oh, it's just kind yeah. Of he had hair. the messy style in 2012. In 2000, what 16, 17, and 18, it was more short, but it just looked like he was like a like a third grader. You know, in 2007, but what about when he wore? He looked to like the a game 32 year old what? when he arrived. What about his wardrobe choices before the game or after the game? Uh, before 2007 was his best easily. He had the overdrawn coat, uh, and then after the game, he had a nice shirt and tie on for his post presser. And in the, I mean, in the other one, he has like some button up, like weird button up sweater. It didn't, it didn't look good. Um, even as the MVP, I just didn't like it. It's yucky. So I feel like he's a 2007 was the most handsome, you, you know, quarterback we've had. In there since I'm feeling sorry that I asked Jimmy that Garoppolo, um, I think really could actually surpass Tom Brady tomorrow. We'll find out during pre. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. What is your score prediction for Sunday's Super Bowl? Who do you think is going to win? What's the score going to be? Who is going to be the MVP? Four three five three three nine zero three two one. And also, if you want to weigh in on uh, what you think some of the best Super Bowls in the past have been. As we get ready for Super Bowl 54 yeah, this Sunday. Yep, Super Bowl 54. And Texan, who do you think is more Hampson? 2007 Tom Brady or 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo? I'd really be interested in hearing your thoughts on this. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press, LJ Salas and Eric Franson here on 106 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan, closing up the first hour for you. Eric, Big Ten back on the front page again. Uh, the Big Ten, their athletic directors, they want to change. <laughs> they want to change a lot of things. Uh, one of the biggest things is that they want to uh, su- they want to support a one time transfer exemption for all sports. Um, now. If you're an athlete in pretty much any sport except five, you can transfer once and play the next year. Uh, You don't have to sit out a year. The only sports that ask you to sit out a year unless there's an exemption is football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and men's hockey. So you have to sit out a year unless you are already a graduate or if there's some kind of a waiver. So the Big Ten says, hey, do away with that. Everybody gets a chance to uh, transfer just once, and um, let's just treat all athletes equally. You likey? No? No. Well, you know what? 
I, I think I'm more and more to the position that I feel like, you know what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. I was going to say, I'm actually okay with this. Let it happen, and then let's create a division that's professional, quote-unquote, college sports, yep. and we'll have a farm system. Utah State will be in the farm system. Anybody who believes they're going to be anything different, they're smoking something. <laughs> uh, and let's pay the players. Let's let them earn money off of their name, image, and likeness. Let's pay coaches $10 million. Let's let them pay earn market value. And those who can't, you know, they go out and uh, appear on your shopping bags and your grocery carts and whatever else. And It's going to totally blow up sports. Uh, college sports, AJ. Yeah. Uh, I'm being a little facetious, but it's going to totally blow it up. You're going to have free agency. You're going to have farm clubs. You're going to have the Power Five schools create an even bigger gap from everybody else because, yes, we're going to go out and try to recruit five-star athletes, but if we have a guy that gets hurt, well, let's just go down the road into the quote-unquote lower levels and find somebody who has been in somebody their system there. for three years developing yeah. and looks pretty good and say, hey, Come play for us where you might have a chance to win a championship and earn a heck of a lot more money and be on TV and improve your personal brand, yada, 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 yada. My question is, how far across the region would they go to do so? I mean, are they willing to go across to the West Coast? Are they willing to go to Utah? Utah will benefit some, but SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, those are going to be the the programs that are going to benefit from this. Utah State, they're not going to benefit nothing, from this. Nothing from They'll be this. picked oh, apart. No They'll way. be picked apart. You'll have a bunch of younger players with little experience playing all the time. As soon as anybody starts to get good, they'll transfer to a bigger program. Full Court Press, second hour coming up here on 106 NFM 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise, or maybe above the noisy set we have here at Super Bowl 54. The recent trend in the NFL is if you build a stadium, you get to host a Super Bowl. But Miami is an exception. The Dolphins play in the thoroughly average Hard Rock Stadium. No one cares, though, because the city is so much fun and has so much history. South Florida has hosted the game 11 times. Joe Namath sat poolside here and guaranteed the Jets would win Super Bowl three. Steelers beat the Cowboys twice with legends like Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan leading the way. Joe Montana had one of the greatest drives in history, leading the Niners over the Bengals. John Elway ended his career with the Broncos championship. Peyton Manning won one as a Colt and then lost one to Drew Brees and the Saints. And who can forget when Prince put on maybe the best halftime show in history? That was back in 2007 in the rain. There are so many great memories in this city, and hopefully the Niners and Chiefs will add at least one more coming up this weekend. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.